Good morning, evening, or afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the Conversation at the Heights. We are recording live from the Heights Coffee Shop here at Greater Heights Church, 3790 Post Road. I'm your host, John Booth. I'm here with Executive Pastor Chris Grinstead and Associate Pastor Jacob Grinstead. Jacob, why don't you give us a quick rundown of VBS this week and tell us a little bit about the victories that we had with the children. Yeah, so first I want to thank Celsius for sponsoring our VBS this year. Um, it's really what, um, you know, the Lord gave us you the strength. You know that you can't say that. Well, Celsius <laughs> isn't listening to this. We're good. I, I know they're not listening, but they sponsored nothing, and we don't know a lot about that company. We don't even know <laughs> if we'd want them to sponsor us, but move along. That's true. Celsius is a healthy energy drink. Disclaimer, uh, the words that Jacob Grinstead is saying now do not reflect the thoughts or views of Greater Heights Church <laughs> or its affiliates. Thank you. Thank you, John Anyways, Thank there's you. a lot of workers drinking Celsius during VBS. <laughs> if anybody's ever worked VBS, they understand night four of screaming kids and throwing oh. candy and then having to clean up afterwards. Yeah. Um, no, but it was a really good time. And, of course, I am kidding about the Celsius thing. Um, <laughs> but we had um, anywhere between... I can't remember the exact number, but five to seven professions of faith. Um, the, the thing that really encouraged me, and this is kind of a story that one of the leaders and helpers uh, told to me, but um, we had Carter. He's a going to be a senior in high school that actually taught the, te- uh, the kids, uh, I believe it was Tuesday night. And um, from him teaching, a lot of the kids went back to ask questions about, you know, salvation and stuff. And um, Jacob Blilfull was speaking to a kid who... Um, Grew up in a Ukrainian home and still living there. And when he bowed his head, the the worker saying that he really understood everything. And when he bowed his head, he was like, do you mind if I pray in Ukrainian uh, and pray to God that way? And it was just, Jacob Wolf was telling the story, it was just cool to sit back. And he was praying in English for this child. And that child was praying in a different language and making a profession of faith and accepting Christ. And that just kind of tells you the power of what can happen with even a small childlike faith of, you know, this kid was in, I believe, third grade, and he's praying in a different language, and God understood us all, and he accepted Christ, and um, it was just a really good time. Yeah, um, a, and it, I'm, I'm looking forward to the follow-ups, you know. Yeah, yeah, so we're working on the follow-ups this week. We're hoping that they all come out and hang out on our July 2nd celebration, which is this Sunday, fireworks. Um, but it's really going to be a time of where all the churches that meet here on the Sunday, the Spanish church, Indian, Ukrainian, and English, are all coming together. And it's kind of like in Revelation when it talks about when every nation and every tongue will come together yeah. um, and worship the Lord, and that's really what we're striving for. Um, and another thing that was really cool about VBS was uh, we're starting to see kids who have grown up going to our VBS now starting to help with the VBS. Mm. So we had um, two people who, you know, weren't involved with this church before VBS, and they would come and hang out with our Vacation Bible School and be a part of it when they were kids. And then they reached out before Vacation Bible School. This year was like, hey, we love Vacation Bible School. Can we help out? So we're starting to see that turnaround, and it's really cool to be a part of yeah, uh, the young man, um, Aaron, that was uh, baptized this past Sunday, I know that he didn't attend VBS, but one of his friends was helping in Vacation Bible School. So um, he got involved the week before, um, trusted Christ, I think, was it a month or two ago? Mm-hmm. And uh, then he was baptized this Sunday, gave his testimony, 
just a wonderful job. And the um, um, the Lord worked and moved, and another another young lady uh, trusted Christ. And then we had some others stand that they'd made professions of faith. So I'm just thankful to, to witness it. Mm. Amen. Well, we're going to get back into the second half of the heart of the Father, um, talking about our Father's Day message, talking about last week a little bit of how the father's hearts can be turned away from their children and how the hearts of the children can be turned away from their father. We left it off um, talking about some of these powers, I suppose, that are attempting to create this turning, turning away from the Lord, turning away from your family, this sort of uh, disconnected, disjointed family atmosphere in the pursuit of other things. Um, We also spoke briefly about the remedy for that being repentance and being turning back toward the Lord, a renewing of your mind, um, and and through repenting and through belief in Christ, a renewing of the Spirit as well. Um, so, Pastor, let's dive into some of these false gods, some of these powers, and what they are attempting to do in the family home, and then let's get into the remedies after that. Well, um, I think that, that it is um, just a reality that is more real than what we see, and that's what's going on in the unseen world. Mm-hmm. The, there is genuinely a seductive spirits, and this is what we even talked about on Father's Day, what will turn the hearts of the fathers away, and we honed in on that word wicked, uh, and this is, a re- this is really happening that uh, around the world, not just in America, but around the world there are seducing unholy demonic powers that are at work. I personally believe that dependent upon whether you have righteous leadership in your nation Hmm. or whether you have unrighteous leadership in your nation, it genuinely does affect their freedom, their, their ability to, to work and move among a nation. And so here we are now, uh, and we are witnessing, and I would, there's more, but I think that there really are three that we can go back into the Old Testament, and that's Baal, Ashtaroth, and Molech. And these three um, unholy uh, spirits, these three powerful demonic spirits uh, that are led by Lucifer himself, um, they are at work. They're at work in the world, and uh, they are pulling fathers away. Baal promises materialism. He promises you wealth. He promises you uh, fortune, uh, maybe even fame. Uh, Ashtaroth is referenced as a goddess, uh, but she promises you sexual pleasure, and there are no boundaries, and uh, she will uh, have her way. And these are the and what I'm repeating to you are the songs that would be sung about her. I'm this is not me over here making it up. You just have to do some research, and and this is what her followers would say about her. And then then we have what is known as Molech, and uh, Molech. Uh, was the God, and and I, um, I, I would define him as the God 
of more. So you've got Baal, well, Molech offers you more. You've got Ashtaroth, Molech offers you more. And so what was actually happening in ancient history with the nation of Israel and the surrounding nations, they were literally offering their firstborn children so that they could have more material possessions and have more children and be more successful. Now, um, these children would have to, as the Scripture references, pass through the fire. And I dare say some of those children maybe survived the passing through of the fire, but many of them did not survive it. But if, if you can imagine being a child that passed through the fire and survived by some strange chance, here's what you would end up being. You would end up being scarred for the rest of your life. By who? By this God, Molech. And so I know I've went into too much, but so the, what we talked about dealing with, with what's happening is, well, if we'll just be honest, in the United States of America, materialism has led to uh, sexual immorality, to put it mildly. And now we're seeing children being affected by this at much younger ages. Um, it's obvious I'm the old guy at the table, but I think that they can't you, see you. They don't know that. Yeah, but I would think that you guys would have to admit, in the past ten years, the the sexual immorality has gotten worse and worse. I mean, I'm talking about trickling down to to the children, to where now you've got you've literally got little kids being exposed to things, and so, um, and what is this doing? Well. Fathers' hearts are being turned from their children to where they're detached. They're just going through the motions. Um, and the children's hearts are being turned from their fathers. And so the home is being destroyed and what God fully intended. And so there in Malachi, there is a promise made by the prophet Malachi to the nation of Israel that there was one going to come and he would turn the hearts of the fathers back to their children and turn the children's hearts back to their fathers. He would put things back right. And the one that was going to be, that would be the forerunner, John the Baptist. This is promised again in the book of Luke to John's father, Zacharias, that John would turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children. It's there, written. And, uh, and John was preaching a message of repentance and turning to Christ. And so the question I think that we probably left off with was, what will turn the father's hearts back to their children? What, what, is, what, will, what will do that? I just want to touch on um, quickly, as quickly as I can, this aspect of, of emotional fatherlessness. So, in the in the ancient days, it was it was passing the children through the fire, the physical fire. That was the that was the mode of sacrifice to these false deities. 
and I, I the the outcome is the same. The tactic is different in today's day and age. It isn't a passing of the children through a physical fire. It is an emotional and a mental fire, and that comes from the detachment of the father in the home or a lack of the father in the home. So when I was in college, I was able to do a very large research project on the effect of fatherlessness in the home. Seven out of ten young men who grow up in a fatherless home end up in prison. Eight out of ten imprisoned young men get out and return to prison. All stemming from a fatherless home. We would like to think that that's a small percentage of the population. It's not. Worse than that is the number of children that is amplified by the statistic of having a detached father in the home. Having a detached father in the home is, in most cases, just as bad as having no father at all and leads to the same sorts of statistics. And if you look at the statistics of the crimes that put those young men in prison, and this happens with young ladies, by the way, too. Uh, I think it's a smaller number, maybe three to four out of ten, also end up in prison, fatherless homes, but typically for different reasons. Focusing on the men for a second, though. Something like 60% of those eight out of ten that go to prison are in prison for rape because of having no male figure in the home to teach them right versus wrong. And you see how those three evil entities are connected and how typically the, the desire for more and the desire for materialism, like you said, leads to a, a, this depraved sexually immoral behavior. Mm-hmm. And it's evidenced by the numbers of who gets locked up and for what. Well, it, it, the, the numbers do not lie. And so when you, when you do some research and when you read into things and when you uh, allow yourself to, and it's a very, it, it can be a, a, a very um, heart-wrenching um, research, um, but the, the detachment of dads, they're in the house paying the bills. Right. It is genuinely leading um, young men and now even young women uh, into uh, it's it's an unhealthy uh, relationship with the opposite sex mm-hmm. it, it, it uh, it's it's skewed it's off and so um, you can you can trace a lot of it a lot of it back um, Two, genuinely, yeah. Do we are we all born with a sin nature? Absolutely. Uh, Satan knows that. He's 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 counting on that. And uh, when you when you can get the dad, not, and and here's what you know. I, I get to spend a little bit of time talking to dads. I am a dad. I I'm I'm. I'll say it this way. This will be make sense to our congregation. You know, I'm I'm peeling my onion as well. You know, layer by layer. For the folks from the north, that means he's uh, diving deeper into his own spirit, right? right. <laughs> layer so, by layer. Yeah, yeah. So when when you start peeling this onion, and the layers come off, mm-hmm. you you have to just let God 
uh, heal each thing. Um, with each layer, there has to be a healing. With each layer, there has to be repentance. Um, and it's it's what Jesus taught in his prayer. Forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. And so, you know, real quickly, I'll just say, I understand what it's like to have a dad that for the most part was genuinely in the house, but not in the house, mm. which that is detached uh, there, but not there. And I know the things that uh, that led to in my life. And, um, you know, but hallelujah, I also know what it's like uh, to have a, a genuine heavenly father. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing I've said about to my kids, I've said it publicly and I've said it to them privately. God, our heavenly father, is not like me. Right. And I just had to come to terms with that with my own dad. I hope they'll come to terms because what it does is detachment leads to detachment. Right. And uh, so um, kind of it was it was a, a blessing this past Sunday. I'll say this because it blessed my heart. Uh, it's very personal and I hope everybody can handle me being personal. But I was in. Uh, this past week, I had an opportunity. I was tired. I was. I was just tired. And so I, it was Saturday. It had been a hard week of work, uh, physical and mental. And so I was tired. And I came home. I had been out visiting some folks Saturday morning, some people that was, had been sick and had surgeries. And so I was coming home, and I got home, and my wife and daughters and daughter-in-law uh, um, Jacob's wife, Sydney, was in was in the pool. And my wife said, hey, why don't you come? And I'm not too crazy about swimming in um, anyway. So I enjoy swimming, but enough of that. So I, I, th- I said, well, you know what? I'm, I'm going to go in the house. And here's what I thought. I was, I was starting to think like I used to think. And here's what I used to think. I was thinking, you know what I deserve? I deserve a little bit of me time. Not against it. Don't take that the wrong way. But my me time was probably going to be me laying on a couch, watching an an old movie, and falling asleep. I'm not saying that's sin, okay? Uh, But for me... That's signs of detachment. Right. And so what I had to do is sit there and let the Holy Ghost say, Chris, and here's what he said. Life is taking place outside at the pool. That's living. That's life. That's your life taking place outside right now. So I I did the uncomfortable thing. I I put on my trunks and my T-shirt, and I went down and um, sat down beside the pool while they I had had fun there in the and I just sat there and and talked with them. It was so much the better choice. Mm. It was so much the better choice. And I I just say that little simple thing because John that is genuinely Satan what he's doing is he's trying to get you to make the other choice. Mm-hmm. It, he's trying to get you to say I'm going to stay away from that. When really, that's what the men need to be engaged in with their families. 
And my son's sitting here. He hasn't spoke up yet except for vacation Bible school. But he will tell you. He can tell you. There was a, a many, many, many times, and I've apologized to him, but there was many times he came to me and said, hey, Dad, let's go throw ball. Let's go do this. Let's go do that. And you know what I did? I said, I'm tired. I'm just going to sit here, and I would watch something. It may be a football game or something. And um, it's, it's, a, it's a tragedy. Um, I'm trying to fix it as we, as we move on. I can't get those moments back, uh, but there are times now uh, that we can. There's still time, if that makes sense. And so uh, Jacob understands what it's like to have a dad in the ministry, mm-hmm. in the Bible, in prayer, but in the house, mm-hmm. but not engaged like he could have been and like he should have been. So anyway, that's that's the reality of what's going on with detachment in our homes. It's it's deceptive. That's what I, that's why I call it seducing spirits. They are tricky. They're so deceptive. And and we're being drawn away by. Yeah, and I think for, um, you know, this was Father's Day. The message was so is mainly toward the fathers and to men, but I think it relates to everybody. Um, but I can only speak as a man right now. So I think as guys, we um, we always try to find something to help us escape our reality. Mm-hmm. We're always trying to find something as I just did six hours of work or eight hours of work for my family. Now I need something to escape the pressures of all of that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good point. Yeah. It's really good. It's, uh, sorry to interrupt you, but it You're genuinely fine. is. It, I mean, that is so what's going on. I left and I did everything that I did today for my family so they can have this, so they can have this pool in the backyard so they can, you know, all these things. And, uh, and, then we end up not getting to enjoy. And it's it's the devil. It's the lie of the devil is what it is. He's tricked us. I think there's this large misconception. And let me preface this by saying, this is not aimed at anyone who is introverted. I understand. I am married to a very introverted person. I get it. But I think that there is a very large misconception among all people, but again, I can only speak to the men because I am one, that you must get alone. There's one thing There's one thing to be alone with God, and there's another thing to be alone, alone, to be yeah. isolated. Right. You're supposed to go and recharge your batteries being alone with God. Right. So often we go and recharge our batteries being alone with our own devices. Yeah. And that leads to unspeakable horrors yeah as any man can tell you getting being alone with your own thoughts is probably the scariest place you can be yeah as a man oh yeah but there is this huge misconception i think amongst all people that you need this alone time and that whatever you do in this alone time is okay because it's for you to recharge you oh yeah but i personally have come out of those moments more drained and emotionally beaten than than ever before yes sir and there is a reason i think that i cling so tightly to being around other people i think it is an unconscious knowing that the moment that i get alone with my thoughts that it all goes downhill Mm -hmm. and so 
I think there's, I'm, tr- I'm trying to make an attempt to reorient my thinking to where in those moments when I'm alone, I need to be chasing being alone with God as much as possible. Because if I don't, the opposite is always true. The inverse is always true. And it's always going to be, there, there is no presence of will strong enough if you're not being alone with the Lord to subvert your own flesh or your own thoughts and thinking when you're alone by yourself. To think that we have some inherent ability to overcome the wiles of the devil in those moments is absurd at best. Um, And so I would challenge anyone listening to this, especially the men, in those moments when you're thinking, oh, I just need my me time, make that me and God time. Because if you don't, you will you will inevitably, maybe not on Monday, maybe not on Tuesday, but by Wednesday or Thursday, you will inevitably slip back into whatever pattern of self-destruction you were in previously. Yeah. Um, well, I was just adding to that. the Your flesh, it's like the more you say no to your flesh, the more it starts becoming like a crying baby, <laughs> if that makes sense. It's like, because um, I'll say it this way. Pastor just gave a an example of how he ended up overcoming that fleshly desire of just being alone and having that recharge moment where he could watch a movie and go down to the pool and hang out with everybody. Well, guess what I was doing? I decided to give in to my flesh. I stayed home and I watched like four movies in one day. <laughs> I don't <laughs> and, think I'd have told that. <laughs> no, <I'm sure. laughs> no, and I missed out on my uh, my wife getting chased by a snake in a pool. Yeah, which oh, would yeah. have been hilarious to watch. Yeah. Right, Mom, Mama dropped a rock. <laughs> yeah, my mom killed a snake with a rock. I missed out on that. No, but it was um, it was like that whole week because we had VBS and then we're also. Um, working on a place for Sydney and I to stay in like a little mm-hmm. tiny house and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're doing a lot of manual labor throughout the week. And then we're also staying up at all hours of the night to um, minister. To minister. Mm-hmm. And then that day, somebody thought that we had VBS was over. So they took down all the VBS <laughs> decorations. So that day I had to put all the VBS <laughs> decorations back up. Back up. Um, I had to put a rocket I had to put the moon. I <laughs> hung yeah. the moon. Yeah, you yeah. know? And so then I was like, and, and like the whole time I was working, I was like, man, I can't wait till Friday. Mm-hmm. Man, I can't wait till Friday. Or I can't wait till Saturday. I can't wait till Saturday. And finally that day came, and it's like I knew. My spirit told me I needed that time to be with family. Yeah. My spirit was telling me that. But my flesh was just, it was like screaming at me like, no, you need to recharge. Yeah. You need to recharge. And it's like the more you kill your flesh, the the louder it is, oh, it feels yeah. like sometimes. Yeah. So it's extremely hard. Well, what I was going to submit, and 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 this is the part that we are getting, we're getting stuck on it again today in the podcast. But it's that's okay. okay because we're trying to help and get help. We got plenty. We got plenty of time. This is what I'm. This is the part that I'm trying to get us to understand. We are not alone. Right. Right. You either are going to, it's either going to be you and God engaging one another or bottom line, there is another spirit there. You don't know it's there. You can't see it's there. And it is smarter than you. And your flesh, as Jacob said, is wicked. There is nothing good in it. You was born a sinner and your flesh still longs for sinful things. And... All the unholy spirit wants to do 
is rob you from the Holy Spirit. That's yeah. all he wants. So, no, it's not that you're, you know, me going into the house and sitting down and watching a Western. What's wrong with that, preacher? Well, I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that except that a spirit just drew you over this way when you could have been drawn over this way, but, but and that's, that's what's going on. Yeah. There is genuinely a, an unholy working that we, we can't see it. But it, but it is. It's, it's drawing. It's drawing us over. So, this this notion, this this misconception, that we enter into an alone time is not true. Because what'll happen, John, in those alone times, is the fiery darts of the devil will insert thoughts, mm. and you will start thinking that they're, they're they're your thoughts, right? And they are not your thoughts. They are inserted thoughts. And so those fiery darts, and those are the self-destructive thoughts that Satan brings. We call them self-destructed because it's so masked as I'm thinking this way. But one, one, what I would say to anybody who's willing to listen, listen to what this Lord help us to hear this. The part of renewing your mind is in that moment when you're thinking, I need to be alone while my family is out doing their thing, the renewal is when you say, I need to be with my family. Right. That little moment there is an amazing thing towards renewing your mind to different thought patterns. Mm-hmm. Taking every thought captive. Amen. And aligning it with the truth. Amen. I think that there... Um, I- That's what my master's... A degree was on was I had to write a fifty two thousand thesis. I had to write fifty two thousand words on the weapons of our warfare, not carnal, but yeah. are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. So mm-hmm. maybe that's why I talk about it so much. I, I think that um, there are a few things that I want to try in this moment to help us reorient our thinking on, mm-hmm. just quickly. The first is redefining our definition of what recharging means. Mm. What, what, as we talked about last week, the world seeks to give us bread and circus. Mm-hmm. Whatever part of yourself you leave at the circus is not going to get filled up by that bread. Right. And you will try to replace it with something. And this is the recharging aspect. You can make yourself feel better momentarily mm-hmm. with things of the world. Yes. Even being ingrained deeply in Christianity and with the Holy Spirit, the things of this world will make you feel better for a time. But that is not a true recharging of the battery. It's not. It's the equivalent of taking one of those portable batteries, you know, one of the cheap ones, and you get a couple extra minutes. So let's use cell phones because we all know how those work. Mm-hmm. You get a couple extra minutes, but it doesn't get you... You know, it doesn't get you through the road trip. It doesn't get right. you down the road. We are exchanging the power supply for the portable battery. Yeah. And we do it all the time. Yeah. So that's the first thing I want to challenge us on is redefining our definition of recharging. The second, to quote something that you say all the time, but in a different, slightly different context. Forsake ye not the assembling of yourselves together. Most of the time, 
We're talking about church. church when church right. is being held, you should be at church. 100% accurate. Yeah. But where two or more are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them also. That can be your family. Yeah. That can be your friends. And if you are forsaking the assembling of yourselves together to go be alone with your own thoughts and your own machinations, that is just as bad, in my opinion, as skipping out on church. I agree. Because you, let's, let's be honest, especially as men, you wouldn't do 80% of the things you do in your alone time in front of your family and friends. <laughs> you, you wouldn't do it. And you, you, when you come into that relationship with your family and friends and you are being filled up with community and being filled up with the personalities and the quirks of like-minded, like-spirited individuals, it is a much healthier thing than being alone by yourself. We, we, there's an old Southern phrase, idle hands do the devil's work. Mm-hmm. And if you're not either busying yourselves with the things of God or with the people of God, you typically end up doing the devil's work. So that's the second thing, just challenging, not challenging, but inserting an extra caveat to forsake you not the assembling of yourselves together. Yeah. Um, and then the third is looking, taking a hard look, like you're saying, peeling back the layers of the onion. There is no one aside from God who knows you better than you. You know your mistakes, your faults, your failures, your talents, your victories. And there are parts of you that you may not like. There are parts of you that you may like. But the reality is is that there are people in your life that love you regardless of those faults and failures and who need you in their life regardless of those faults and failures. And so to extract yourself from those situations willingly is to willingly rob someone who needs you of the parts of you that they need. Yeah. And it is, it is a selfish, willful removal. It's, it's in the same, in the same manner of when you, when you really need a friend or someone like that, you, you don't have any idea what they may be going through in that moment. And you have no idea what it meant to your wife and daughters for you to come out and sit by the pool with them. But had you made the other choice, it, it, unbeknownst to you, could have been a catastrophic mistake. Because there are times in people's lives when they need that community, that Christ-centered community, and they need what you may have to bring to the table, whether you think it's worth it or not. And we remove ourselves from those situations. I shudder to think at the times where... I made a selfish choice and maybe a friend needed me and I wasn't there. Yeah. So that's the third challenge is, is trying to reorient our thinking out of this selfish, I'm not good enough approach. And I just, I need to recharge so I can be better approach. Whereas in fact, the you that has been created and renewed by the death, burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ is for a time such as this, is what is needed in the moment for those around you. Amen. That's good preaching. That's good preaching because it's true. It's genuinely, um, it's the, it's allowing yourself to think the opposite mm. of what you're thinking. Uh, and it's, it's throughout Scripture. God meant for us, it is not good that man should be alone. Should be alone. Mm. And anybody who thinks, and anyone who 
preaches, you need to be alone. Well, and here's what, I mean, I've been around a little while, and I can hear right now, well, you know, Jesus, he went away. Yeah, but what did he go away to do? He went away to be with God. Fast he, and pray. He didn't go away to be alone. Yeah. He went away. We are never, ever supposed to be. So just to kind of give you, you know, for for me now, I don't have any alone time. Right. My When I am sitting in a room and it looks like I'm alone, here's what I'm doing. I'm praying. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. Jesus is speaking to me. Uh, and when when he's finished, I'm out of that room. Right. I just yeah. just to piggyback off of your example quickly. He went alone. He went. He went away alone to fast and to pray to be with God. And who showed up? Satan the, showed up yeah. to tempt him. Yeah. If if Satan will show up to tempt Christ, are he we, will show up to tempt. Are him. Am I kidding myself? Yeah. yeah. That's what we've been talking about on Sunday nights. Right. You know, overcoming the lies. And so, um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, for the last segment of the podcast, I want to move into the repentance aspect the the reorienting we've talked about we've talked about the mind right we've talked about some of the decisions we can make to turn ourselves back uh toward the lord let's dive into the repentance aspect of all this and i just pastor if you can help help me clear up this misconception that i think i have had in the past and i think other people do have quite often of repentance being just the action of feeling convicted and apologizing for that conviction, apologizing to God for the thing that you did. Um, I, I think that that is a fair bit of a misconception as to what repentance is. I think it's a bit more than just, uh, oh no, I messed up, let me apologize. Um, so let's kind of dive into that and just kind of expand on this this aspect or this attitude of repentance? Well, um, Mark chapter 2, 17. Um, Jesus makes the statement, they that are whole have no need of the physician, Mm. but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Jesus is Mm. saying, I came... To call you, and and we have a tendency to say, I came to call you to salvation. Mm -hmm. But Jesus says, I came to call sinners to repentance. Mm -hmm. And so uh, the the feeling of guilt, just by pure definition, the feeling of guilt is a part of repentance. Mm -hmm. Um, But really what it's talking about the purest of definition is a reversal of a decision, mm. a reversal of a decision. Mm-hmm. So when we're talking about repenting of a sin, it's not just regretting it. It's making a decision to not do it again. Mm. And so uh, what in the world, you know, we, what do you mean don't do it again? That's what genuine repentance is. So it, it is confession, and that's what a lot of folks do. Yeah. But it's not even biblical confession. Because mm. confession 
in Scripture is agreeing with God. It's making a covenant with God about what you're confessing as sin. The Bible says, if we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. So every one of us, but it goes on to say, but if we confess our sins, Mm -hmm. he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so there's, there's a lot of people, and Chris Grinstead is one of them, who spins this thing of, okay, I've, 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 I've got this stronghold, and they are real. I've got, I've got this stronghold in my life. I want to ask God to forgive me, okay? And he is faithful and just to forgive us, and we claim that verse. Mm-hmm. But if you genuinely want to see him, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Right. So that's the part that we, we really want to be cleansed of it. That's genuine confession. God, I want this out of my life. Well, the thing is, is when we, when we have that spirit about us, God is in covenant with us. And in that moment, what is supposed to be happening is, is a reverse reversal of decision. Mm-hmm. I decided, but I'm deciding not to. And guess what? I've, I'm deciding to not again today. I'm deciding not again. If God gives me another day, I'm deciding not today. Now, what this sounds like, y'all, is it, it sounds like the type of conversation you would have with someone at like a 12-step program, yeah, uh, something of that nature. Well, guess what? <laughs> we, we talked we, about it last week. Yeah, we're we're looking we're looking at people in the spirit of in in the church. Right. The the let me say it this way: the person over here in the twelve step program, if you want to say that, mm-hmm. is is better off than the person over here that's looking at the people and thinking they don't need a twelve step program. Right. The thing of it is, is they're over here mm-hmm. just deceived, deceived by their sin whatever it is. Um, and so here's this, here's the deal. We're talking about repentance. We're talking about confession, repentance, deliverance. Okay. So as you go to, to God, you don't have the ability to know and to do the work he, as, as the Bible says, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us. Right. We do not have the ability mm. for the cleansing. But Jesus does. Now, and he tells us how he's going to do it mm. in the book of Ephesians. He's cleansing his church. He's getting at all the spots and all the wrinkles. How? By the washing of the water of his word. You repent i repent of this sin i'm repenting of this sin i want to be washed and jesus says i I will wash you how you going to wash me by my word Mm -hmm. you're and then what you do you got to do it 
you, this is the act of repentance. What is it? I have decided to reverse a decision. Mm -hmm. Is this making sense? Yes. I made a decision to do this. I'm now making a decision to open up God's word. Right. I'm making a decision to go against my sin. I'm going against my sin. I've confessed that it is sin. And so now I'm allowing God's word to change and renew my mind because I have made another decision, which is in reversal. Mm -hmm. And guess what? My heart and mind is, is changed. Now that is the, that, that is the reality. Here's what, here's what, God forgive us, but here's what most of us do. We just want to ask God to forgive us of the sin because we do not want the penalty of the sin. We don't, right. we don't want the chastening. But when you come to the point where, you know what, God? Even if it means chastening, mm. because I know that, I know that the chastening of your hand will yield the change of my heart. Mm-hmm. And so that is a, that is a heart pursuing repentance is the, the best way I know how to say it. The chastening comes to those he loves. Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah. And That's if he doesn't, and if you be, according to scripture, if you be without chastisement, mm-hmm. you are not a child. And I think that's something that we forget. The punishment of the father only comes to the children that he loves. Amen. Um, I I want to um, kind of take a look at something here just quickly, if I can. Um, and it's something that you you've talked about a lot. Talking about not wanting to frustrate the grace of God. I find few things more frustrating than someone doing something over and over that I have asked them not to do and always being sure to apologize for it in, in between. It's one thing if you just do the thing. Irritating, sure, whatever. But what makes it all the worse is the apology, the insincerity of the apology in between is being negated by the action that that uh, that follows. Yeah. I, I, God knows that we're sinners. He knows that we mess up and make mistakes and won't get it right for all of sin and fallen short. But he promises that the lukewarm will be spat out of his mouth, and I can think of few actions more lukewarm than apologizing for something over and over. And I'm talking to myself here. Mm-hmm. Apologizing for something over and over and doing it over and over. That isn't repentance. That's lukewarmness at best. And I'm afraid that we get into what you prefer to as the sin license trap. I'm sorry, God. I know you're going to forgive me and put my sin as far as the east is from the west. And you'll forget it. And when we get to heaven, it'll be all smiles. And doing the same thing over and over and over. even, Even with what may be in the moment a broken spirit and from the best that our human ability can muster a sincere apology, but it is then negated by the action that follows. Yeah. Um, and so 
my fear is that me and a lot of other people are beginning to frustrate the grace of God, not because we're sinners and we sin often, but because we attempt to apologize for something that we inevitably do again and is a result of a lack of renewing of the mind and a lack of this pursuing being alone with God rather than being alone with ourselves. Yeah, I, I, I you know, speaking to that, unless Jacob wants to speak to it, I know. You have, Y'all are pretty much saying everything I'm thinking, so that's why I'm not saying much. Oh, okay. But uh, sure. how we usually go around talking about repentance with the teenagers is repentance causes you to take action. Right. Um, when you repent, it causes you to take action. And even for me, in my personal life, um, there was a point where I would ask for forgiveness every single time. Mm-hmm. And as pastor was saying, it's because I didn't want to get caught. Right. Lord, please forgive me because I don't want to get in trouble. Yeah. And then there came a point where I was so sick and tired of the sin I was living in. And I remember it because it happened a couple of times. Mm. But I would repent and I would say, God, whatever you got to do. Mm. And I know the, the, sca- the in my deepest parts of my heart, the most scared I was is that somebody would find out and I would get in trouble with my dad. Mm. And, and I would have to pray and I'd be like, God, even if that means my dad finding out, yeah. please help me. And every single time I prayed that, my dad found out. Isn't, isn't that? Hope. I, I'm gl- I mean, I'm not to take away from your example. I'm glad that that helped you. <laughs> isn't it sad though that so often we are more worried about the approval and the thoughts of other people? Oh yeah, yeah. It's not enough to say, God, I know you already know about this. Yeah. And I'm I, I'm I'm scared of your judgment enough to change it it takes so often the people that we can see and hear and being scared of their judgment and being scared of their chastisement more than god's to change it yeah um i think that's one of the things that god uses Mm. uh, in our lives uh the way it's supposed to work his parents um, that that parent then it turns into you 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 have a spouse yeah uh, your your church is supposed to be that yeah so I do believe that God uses healthy whole holy personal interactions right but when we're when we're talking about frustrating the grace of God if I've if I've if I've spoken it wrong I, I i sincerely ask god to forgive me the frustrating of the grace of god is the lack of accepting the power of god's grace right that that the power yeah. of god's grace that that's the frustrating part yeah he's given us victory yeah and we walk in defeat yeah because the grace of god is sufficient what God has done, what Jesus has done, what the gospel is. It is the power of God unto salvation. Yes. And not just from hell, but salvation. Sal- salvation from the earthly hell. Everything. Yeah, yeah, everything. And so mm-hmm. when so 
for me, even even when even when Paul is making that statement, the book of Galatians, he is talking about don't lean into your ability, your works. That's what's frustrating the grace. Yeah. Go ahead and accept the grace of God that is at work in your life. I don't know anybody who's overcome any stronghold. Uh, we'll use the, the secular word addiction. I don't know anybody who has overcome a genuine deliverance from addiction. Now, do I know people? Now, this, this, this will, I hope it'll help. Do I know people that continually battle an addiction mm-hmm. and continually have victory over an addiction? Yes. Mm-hmm. But the people who are cleansed as Scripture teaches it, it's gone, mm-hmm. are the people who lean into God's grace, right. not God's wrath, not God's judgment. They lean into God's grace, and God's grace performs. God's grace does what God's grace does. Yeah, like in Matthew 9, 13, yeah. it pretty much explains the whole reasoning for him coming, and that was, but go ye and learn what that meaneth. Mm-hmm. I will have mercy and not sacrifice, for I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And it's talking about when he was sitting there with the uh, publicans and the sinners and the Pharisees came and asked him, why are you sitting? Why is your teacher yeah. sitting there with them? He said, the whole reason for me coming is to call people to repentance and have mercy on those that repent. Yeah. I guess what I'm trying to express, and I know we've got to bring it to an end, is that the message is, re- repentance is, God, I'm changing my mind and I'm, I'm experiencing I'm, ex, ex, I'm receiving that you are going to, you're going to, you're going to wash me. It's like, mm-hmm. it's like coming, coming home really dirty. I remember one time my mom making me ride home in the back of the car. I'm talking about in the trunk. <laughs> the trunk. Yeah. Because I was so dirty. Now, nowadays they wouldn't let you do that to a kid. And, and the lid wasn't closed by no means. It was like a 1970s big car and the trunk was as big as most cars today. So I'm sitting in the back of the trunk holding onto the hood. I was filthy. And when I got home, she literally got a hose and washed me with a hose outside. Yeah. Then took me to the bathtub and gave me another bath. And so, uh, but it, it's accepting and saying, yeah, Jesus, wash me. You wash me. And, and he is willing to wash us. And I'm so grateful taking, that he's, he's doing that. Taking every thought captive, aligning it to the truth, even if that water is cold. Yeah. The last thing I'll say, and then we'll close, is uh, the, defini- defini- <laughs> the dictionary definition of the word frustrate to prevent and then in parentheses a plan or attempted action from progressing succeeding or being fulfilled yeah we god is all powerful but i do believe that there are things that he wants to do in our life and when we frustrate his grace we are impeding our own success our own spiritual success for he wants to give us the kingdom and we choose so often to take less, to take the cheap imitation that this world offers us. And that, yeah. that I believe, is frustrating. I, I can only imagine 
being a dad, and I think this perfectly ties into mm-hmm. this example, and wanting the best for your children and wanting to see them succeed in whatever it is that they're trying to succeed in and giving them every resource, yeah. giving them the best gear, the best teaching, the best, the best planning, etc., and them choosing some cheap imitation that limits their own success, that, I would imagine, would be rather frustrating. This has been the Conversation at the Heights. Thank you so much for tuning in. This will be, we'll be back next Wednesday, and we'll be back this week, 3790 After Dark, on Friday afternoon. Wherever you get your podcasts, be sure to come out to our Religious Freedom Celebration on July 2nd, 1045 a.m., we're going to be having all sorts of music and food. Um, later that night, we'll be having fireworks as well. Uh, we really appreciate you tuning in, and we'll see you next time. 